I want to talk to you tonight about making wise decisions. Making wise decisions. Or you, you might say it like this. What should guide my decision making? What should guide my decision making? You see, people have their decision making guided in one way or the other. Um, some people will roll the dice and flip a coin and do stuff like that. And heads means this way and tails means that way. You know, it worked in overtime at the Super Bowl, but don't always work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Some people uh, uh, make decisions by other means. What was that crazy lady on TV back in the 90s? Miss Cleo? Yeah, you don't want to help Ms. Cle have Miss Cleo help you make decisions. As a matter of fact, the Lord has a whole lot to say about stuff like that. And uh, to, to make it real simple, he said, don't touch it. Don't go anywhere near it. Because it's not the operation of the Spirit of God. It's the operation of familiar spirits. So, you know, people have different means of trying to figure out what to do and how to get guidance and how to make decisions. But I want to talk to you about four particular things tonight. But I'm not going to go ahead and mention all four of them to you at once. We'll just go ahead and get started with one. And I'll leave you guessing. <laughs> but first of all, and this can never be mundane to us. This can never be ho-hum to us. This has to be the very basis and rock upon which we stand. But the number one thing that you need to have going in your life to be able to guide your decision making and as the basis for you making wise decisions is the Holy Bible, the Word of God. There is absolutely no other foundation that, that we need to have other than that. And that should be allowed to mess with you in every aspect of life. Your worldview, the way you view the world, the way you view life, the way you view uh, the, the issues of the world. If you're going to do it right, you see it through these glasses. And, and despite our backgrounds and where we've come from and certain slants we've got one way or the other, when you come into the kingdom of God, you got to take all your other glasses that you've got, all, all your other pairs of glasses and throw them away. Because they are now no longer useful to you. If, you. if you still keep on using them, they will take you down the wrong road. You only need one pair of glasses, and it's this one here, so that you see everything. Everything, not just spiritual stuff and church stuff. You see everything. Y'all like my shades tonight? Come on now. <laughs> through, the, through the filter of the word, through the glasses of the word, through the perspective of the word. Why? Because the Holy Ghost wrote this book. And, and th this, th this can seem very elementary, but it's something that we can't ever forget. He's right about everything. So if he says it one way, 
And I say it another way. It's not him who does the adjusting. It's me who does the adjusting. When you approach the word, you never approach the word as uh, my beliefs first and then the word. You approach it as the word first and then my beliefs. Which means I don't conform the word to fit around what I think or believe about something. I conform what I think or believe something around the word. Hallelujah. See, God's promise to guide us, the scripture says, uh, Psalm 32, 8, that he would instruct and teach us in the way we should go and guide us with his eye. The New Living Translation of Psalm 25, verse 12, in the end of it says, he will show them the path they should choose. Isn't that wonderful? He will show them the path they should choose. So thank God that God has promised us guidance. But, but uh, in regard to getting guidance out of the word, let me say this to you, that a key question that we need to ask ourselves before making a decision is, am I choosing to please me or am I choosing to please the Lord? And I'm not looking to rain on your parade. I'm just looking to tell you the truth. For us to go the Lord's way does not automatically mean that we will immediately say Yahoo and Yippee. Are you with me on that? That there's sometimes where we'll say, rather, Lord, you sure about that? <laughs> hey, are you really sure about that, Lord? But that's the, the question that we need to ask is uh, re regarding decision making. Am I doing this to please me or am I doing this to please the Lord? Because if you allow pleasing the Lord to be the, the compass of your life and the thing that affects which way you go. I'm trying not to bang my microphone here, David. So if I keep on doing that, just flag me down. Y'all see this tape on my face? Just totally ignore it. It's not a Band-Aid. I didn't cut myself shaving. I'm just trying to keep my mic in place here. But uh, uh, we, we need to realize this very simply, that, that uh, uh, this is about pleasing the Lord. Th that is the compass of our life that affects our, our, our direction, our decision, that affects everything. And, and, and by so doing, uh, that will keep us on track. When we start thinking about uh, what we want, and when we start thinking about the immediate uh, desires that we have and the immediate uh, uh, conveniences that we would like to have. You know, the, the way of the Lord is not often the most convenient way to go. Can I give you a real life example? A few months before my wife and I got married, I was living at the house, but then she moved out of her apartment and she was moving in the house. So you know what that meant for me? That meant I had to go somewhere else. Don't look at me that way. <laughs> and I went somewhere else. You know why? Because several reasons. First of all, I wanted to honor the Lord by not being, shall we say, around a slippery slope. Oh, Lord. Don't look at me innocent now. Come on. So I honored the Lord in that way. 
but I also honored the Lord because I wanted to leave a right example in front of my stepdaughter. And at that time, my stepdaughter would be. And so the, the, these are very, very important things. And what was, was that convenient? No, it was not convenient. Was it right? All day long, it was right. And so I, I say that to you to let you know that the way of the Lord, even when not convenient, is still nonetheless right. And we need to let the word of God always affect our decision making. And it'd be about pleasing him rather than pleasing ourselves. John 5, verse 30. Take a look at the words Jesus spoke. I just love this. He said, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Hallelujah. How to have good judgment? That's the way right there. To not seek your own will, but the will of the Father. Now, also take a look at Ephesians. This is Ephesians 5. Verse 10, it says, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. See, here's the thing. Uh, if you really want to know, you'll find out. And if you don't find out, you weren't really that interested in doing it. Amen. Smile, somebody. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, the, the New Living Translation of this says, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. So sometimes you, you may... Uh, find yourself doing a little digging, uh, d doing a little investigating because you want to make sure that what you're doing is in line with the word. Because the first course of action to know whether you're making a wise decision or a foolish one is the word right here. And the word has a whole lot to say about a whole lot of things. So you may find yourself doing a little digging, doing a little researching. But the thing is, is that... Uh, uh, it, to, to do that is thoroughly right and thoroughly scriptural after all the book of Proverbs says with all your getting get understanding and, and you know I, I find it interesting the, the lack of uh, what's the word uh, among people that, that call themselves disciples a, a lack of being inquisitive a lack of digging and really wanting to get down to the bottom of something, you know, uh, just satisfied to kind of be uh, dumb and happy and happy about being dumb ra rather than really digging into the truth and wanting to find out what the truth is and what the word says and say, I need, I, I need to know this. This is not an option. I, if I'm going to do this right, if I'm going to make a wise decision before God, I need to know what I need to know, and this is the source that I need to go to to know what I need to know. So I'm going to go ahead and dig. I'm going to go ahead and talk to people. I'm going to go ahead and listen very intently when, when, when I'm, I'm in church and the word is going forth because I need to know so that I can make wise decisions. Ephesians 5, 17, right there in that same chapter, says, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be unwise, but understand. And so uh, let, let's just take a few minutes and we'll, we'll look at a few things that the Bible is very clear about. That, uh, uh, and, and, you know, these are just a few examples, examples that are very common, you know, uh, in, in, in our lives that, that, that we need to make decisions 
right decisions in these areas on a regular basis. Uh, what, what kind of decisions do you make regarding relationships and who you get into a relationship with? And I'm speaking more in the, the romantic context right now than, you know, friends. But of course, there's a certain element of truth that will go both ways. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says this. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So we can stop right there. We can go on, but, but we'll just focus in on that. So, so we understand that, that your approach to a relationship and who you get into a relationship with has to be based on that if you're going to make wise decisions according to the Word of God. Now, if you're just going to go ahead and do your own thing and crash and burn, I mean, we'll, we'll pray for you, but it's going to be sad to see you crash and burn when you don't have to. But if you're going to go ahead and do it right, this is the way you do it right. This is the way you do relationships right. I don't care how sweet, how cute, how fine. Hey. <laughs> See, you know, uh, that LaShawn and LaShondra, you know, uh, the, uh, you know, the, if one of them's out in the kingdom, something's up. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and something's got to go. Something's, something's got to work. Because here's the thing. Otherwise, what kind of combination do you have? You've got righteousness and lawlessness. What's up with that? You've got light and darkness. That stuff don't mix. So here's the thing. Simple obedience to the word of God can save you a whole world of problems. And, and, and can I say this to you? And you know we believe in prayer. But I'm going to tell you something. You don't have to pray about that. You don't have to. Because if Jesus showed up to you and stood in front of you directly with the answer, you know what he's going to say to you? As you're there on the edge of your seat, come on, Jesus, give me the answer. Come on, Jesus. You know what Jesus is going to say? Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So, you see, you don't have to pray about that because he won't say anything different than what the book says because he wrote the book. Hallelujah. Now, can we meddle even a little further? Lord, have mercy. Sexual decisions. 1 Thessalonians 4. For this is the will of God. Oh, I want to do the will of God for my life. Your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. And once again, you don't have to pray about that. 1 Corinthians 6, right at the very beginning part of the verse, flee sexual immorality. You know what flee means? That means if sexual immorality is here, I'm going the other way. 
As a matter of fact, long before there was run, force, run. <laughs> back in the book of Genesis, there was something called run, Joseph, run. As Joseph, the, the son of Israel, was uh, working for this guy in Egypt named Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife had something going on for Joseph. And she was persistent, too. And Joseph, as a man of God, maintained his integrity. And run, Joseph, run? Yes, he did. One of the times he ran, she grabbed a hold of his coat and left the coat behind. But the Lord ultimately ended that story with a very happy ending. Hallelujah. Well, you see, these are things you don't have to pray about this. You, you don't have to fast about it. Yeah, you, well, you, you'll have to do some fasting of a different kind, but uh, or you, you'll get that on the way home. But you see, th this is very simple. You, you just get it and do it. You know, the, you don't have to agonize over this. You say, the Bible says that? Okay. <laughs> now think about this. What about your thoughts? What kind of decisions you make with your thoughts? Well, let's see. Philippians 4.8, check it out. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's any praise, anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So the Bible tells us what to think about. Because you make thought decisions every day, and so do I. See, thoughts don't just take us over. See, they present themselves to us at which point we decide whether or not we're going to dwell on them. See, they knock on the door, we decide whether we're going to let them in or not. But thank God, you know, as uh, believers in Christ, you see, we, we got a bouncer right outside the door of our mind. And as 2 Corinthians 10 teaches us, any thought that exalts itself against the obedience of Christ, if we're really doing this right, then the bouncer is going to bounce that thing right on out and not allow entrance. Hallelujah. But these are decisions that you make every day. And you must make wise decisions. And to know how to do it, you just go to the Word because it's already in there. So I wanted to give you a few examples of some real clear things, and there's many, many more. I mean, we'd be here for years talking about them, but I wanted to give you a few real clear examples. You don't have to pray about it. You don't have to seek the Lord's face and find out what his will is. You got his will, and you got it in writing. Now, let God's word set the standard for what is right, rather than your own reasoning. See, our own reasoning cannot set the standard for us of what's right and wrong. That needs to be done by the Word. Because if you're trying to do it with your own reasoning, you will reason yourself into doing something you shouldn't be doing. You will find a way to justify it, find a way to work it out in your mind somehow, as opposed to just say, all right, the Lord said, here's the fence, what side you're going to be on, and pick the Lord's side. Now, the scripture says that there's a way that seems right to a man, but the, the end of that way is death. I don't want to go down that road, y'all. Absolutely not. 
I don't want to go with a way that seems right. When there's a very clear way that you can say, not only does it seem right, I just flat out know it's right. Do you know that you can know things in your knower? Say, what's a knower? Now, that's, that, that, that's not a way some people would pronounce Noah, like Noah and hallelujah and stuff like that. I'm not talking that now. Uh, I, I'm talking about uh, that you have a spirit, a, a saved, born-again spirit, if you are saved. And that inside there, you have the ability of being able to know things. You just know. Sometimes you can't put your finger on it. You can't explain in your mind how you know, but you just know in your knower. K-N-O-W-E-R. Are you with me? So when, when you have the option to know, seems, I, I'm, not, I'm not interested in this, seems, you know, the way that seems good. I want the way that is good. Hallelujah. And of course, the classic Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Why? Because if you tried leaning on it, it will not catch you. Next verse. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Now one thing that has always caught my attention in this verse is the word acknowledge. Um, kind of like this, that, that if, if, if I walked around the room and I said hello to every other person except Rich. The Rich may say to me afterwards, why didn't you acknowledge me? If I walked around here and I wanted everybody's thoughts and opinions about something, but I didn't ask Rich, Rich will say, why didn't you acknowledge me? Why, 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 why go to everybody else and not go to me? And here's the thing, how many times have we at one point or the other in our life, gone everywhere else about something. Gone everywhere else, except go to the Lord. And what this says here is that we should not just acknowledge him regarding the spiritual matters of life. This says to do it in all your ways. That means financial decisions. That means relationship decisions. That means job decisions. That means where do you go to church? Because people ought not just go to a church because they choose to go there because the scripture says in 1 Corinthians that God has placed the members in the body as it has pleased him. Which means he's got say so about what part of the body he wants an individual member to be connected to. Whoa, this is going really different than I had planned on. Praise the Lord. All right. Now, God's standard, you know, if we're going to go ahead and uh, uh, make wise decisions God's way, one thing that you need to know regarding the word is that God's standard is always linked to integrity and having a good name. Always. Always. Linked to integrity and having a good name. Proverbs 10, 9. 
He who walks with integrity walks securely. Hallelujah. Don't you like that? He who walks with integrity walks securely. Proverbs 22.1. Check it out. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Loving favor rather than silver and gold. In other words, you got a choice before you. You got the choice to have a good name or you get uh, to uh, get a whole lot of dough by means of a transaction that will put your name in the mud, but money in your pocket. What's worth having? The good name is worth having. God know how to get money in your pocket. But you don't want to put your name in the mud. Let me tell you somebody. I, I, you know, I just love the, the word. You know, two, two verses, one in the Old and New Testament that you put together that just say it so well. The scripture says in 1 Timothy 6 regarding finances that the, the love of money is the root of all evil. And that while some people covet it after, uh, it says they have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So there's a way to get money and get a whole lot of sorrow. But Proverbs says that the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow. So let's see. Hmm. Sorrow or no sorrow? I'll take mine without the sorrow. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. This is about doing things God's way. Amen. And you know, the Lord has told us the kind of decisions to make. It's interesting, you know, that the Lord's not made this difficult. This is an open book test. He said, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And just in case you ain't smart enough to know what to pick, I'm going to tell you, choose life that you and your seed may live. Hallelujah. That, that you and your descendants may live. So the number one primary way that we make wise decisions, the number one source we go to for making wise decisions is the word of God. Secondly, you've got the leading of the spirit. The leading of the spirit. Because you as a born-again believer have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And now with that understanding, think about this. The Holy Spirit is the author of the word. Which means you have the word to go to. And then you've got the author of the word living inside of you. And I've often looked at it this way, that there's the general will of God and the specific will of God. The general will of God being the Bible, which is for everybody. It's for everybody. Bottom line. But then you have the specific will of God where the Lord may want me to do something that he doesn't want you to do. Or may want you to do something that he doesn't want me to do specific direction for our individual lives. Now, if that was in the Bible, that'd be one big book because that'd have a roadmap for everybody in there. I'm not sure that would fit on your iPhone or your iPad. No matter how many megabytes, gigabytes, terabytes, dinobytes, any other kind of bytes, that'd be a whole lot of memory if it had everybody's roadmap on there. But you see, what the Lord did is he'd given us the general guidelines right here that apply to everybody. But the author of this book inside of us as believers 
to be able to give us the specific individual direction of our life. It's called being led by the Spirit. <laughs> hey. And because he's the author of the book, he knows the book well. He wrote it. He will not lead you in a way that is different than this. Any way that he leads you, you can always trace it right back here. So here's the thing. You may not be able to go to such and such a verse. You may not be able to go to the book of me in chapter February 22nd. Is that today, the 22nd? Yeah. You know, you, you can't do that. But, but you can get something from him that, that you can trace the, the, the principle and the foundation of the direction you're being told back to what the word says. He'll always lead you in line with that. That's something very important to realize. So anytime somebody said, the Lord told me something, and it don't match this, it wasn't the Lord. All right? Now, one thing I want to talk to you about tonight regarding uh, the leading of the Spirit and something that I, in, in my walk with God, I'm a big believer in this. It's praying the prayers of the epistles. Praying the prayers of the epistles. The, the words spoken, Holy Ghost uttered words out of the Bible. And I'll tell you, wow. Impactful. I think about Philippians 1, verse 9 and 10. I'll just read this to you real quick. It says, this I pray that your love may abound, yet more and more in knowledge and in all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. See, when I hear that line, that you would approve the things that are excellent, I think about decision making. Hey, I think about, okay, here's the excellent way. I approve this. Here's the way that's not excellent. So I'm going to disapprove. Because I'm going to go ahead and approve the way that's excellent. I'm going to go ahead and choose the way that's excellent. I'm going to go ahead and go the way that's excellent. And so here's Paul praying for the church that when they're confronted with the crossroads of the excellent way or the not excellent way, that they'll always place their approval on the excellent way. Hallelujah. Colossians 1.9. By the way, let me tell you something about these prayers. These are prayers that Paul prayed for the church. You can take these and pray them for others. And here's a secret. You can pray them for yourself. Amen. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Pray what? And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. The knowledge of his will. All right, what does the Lord want me to do here? Hey, hey, I need to know. Well, I'm going to pray this. I'm going to pray that I am filled. And I love that because that's not just, well, I've got a little hint of what the Lord wants me to do. No, I'm just absolutely filled with it. I mean, nobody can talk me out of it because I'm just filled with it. I'm filled wall to wall, side to side, north, south, east, west. I'm filled with it. Filled with the knowledge of his will, the knowledge of what he wants, the knowledge of what, what he wills, the knowledge of the direction that he wants me to go, the knowledge of the, the uh, uh, decision that he wants me to make. Hallelujah. So I pray that for me. I'd ask that I'd be filled with the knowledge of his will. I pray that for you. I said, I ask that you would be filled 
with the knowledge of his will. Hallelujah. You know, right in Colossians, Paul also prayed for this guy named Epaphras. Over in the fourth chapter, the 12th verse, he prayed for, uh, uh, actually talked about Epaphras. Uh, he, he wasn't necessarily praying for him. What he was talking about is what Epaphras was praying for that church. And he said that what Epaphras was continually praying for that church and laboring fervently in prayer. And what was it about? It was about them standing perfect and complete in all the will of God. Another prayer about the will of God, standing perfect and complete in all the will of God. And then I love this, James 1, 5. Hey, hey, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. Hallelujah. That's just so wonderful. Glory to God. So, so we, we see these prayers. I want to encourage you to pray these scriptural prayers for the knowledge of God's will, that you would approve things that are excellent, that, that you would put your, uh, put your approval on the excellent way to go, the right way to go, as opposed to the non-excellent wrong way to go. Amen. Believers should expect to be led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8, 14 says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So if you're a son, if you're a daughter of God, if you're saved, you're born again, you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you believe that he, he died for you and was raised from the dead, you, you have confessed his lordship, that's you. And you can expect to be led by the Spirit of God as a, a daughter or son of God. Now, the, the idea of being led by the Spirit of God, understand this, that that's not uh, like uh, hearing a booming voice from heaven. It's not that the Lord can't do that. That's just not the usual way he does it. But here's the thing. John Schwartz, I see you out there wearing that nice blue shirt. Uh, if, if I wanted to hear what you had to say. Should I go down to the gym right now? No. And you know why? Because you're not in the gym. So I can only hear you in the place where you're at. Isn't that right? So where do you go to hear from the Holy Spirit? You hear from the Holy Spirit in the place where he's at. Where he at? Someone say he's in me. He's in me. So that's why a lot of times you hear people say, was that the Lord or was that me? And one reason why you hear people say that often is because where he's talking to you from is not somewhere out here. He's talking to you from where he's at. And where he's at is inside of you. Oh, are you getting this tonight? Come on, somebody's light bulbs went bling. Glory to God. And I'm not talking about your mental light bulb. I'm talking about your spirit light bulb. You just got a hold of that. You know, I, I love wording in Scripture over in Acts 15 where it says it, it, it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us. So something about that where, where you don't even have a, uh, you know, this booming, thunderous voice. But you just have something that just said, well, it just seemed good. You know, it was the witness of the spirit, not necessarily a voice on the inside, but a witness. The green light. Green means go. Red means stop. Look out now. 
Ah, I know I've run a few red lights in my life. Only leads to regret when you do. Can I have a witness? All right. You know, John 16, verse 13, when Jesus was talking about the, the Holy Spirit coming, he said, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He won't speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he'll speak. And he will show you things to come. Show you things to come. Guide you into all truth and show you things to come. Guide you into all truth and show you things to come. See, that's not a hard thing for him. Because God inhabits eternity. He's already been to tomorrow. So he knows what's up. He inhabits eternity. So for him to be able to drop a piece of that knowledge that he's got, that's not a big deal for him. That, that's not a, a difficult thing for him to do. That, that's a very easy thing for him to do. And that's something he's very glad to do for his children. Jesus said he would. How many of you have ever had that experience where you don't even knew how you knew it, but you just knew something ahead of time before it happened? Wow. That's, that was him showing you things to come. Acts 16, I love this. You, you can't talk about being led by the Spirit of God without looking at the very real-life example of Paul and his missionary team over in Acts 16. So let's check it out. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now, what, what does that mean? Well, it, it doesn't go into a whole lot of detail. S several possibilities of what it means to be forbidden by the Holy Spirit it, it, it is either the, uh, they uh, ha had a, a, a real strong word inside of them where they heard inside of them, don't go. You ever heard something inside of you? Yeah. Nobody else was around, but you heard something. Right. You know? And then the Lord can do that, doesn't always, may not do it often, but he does it sometimes. Or, or here's the thing, everybody may have thought, you know, this idea of going to Asia, ooh, it just doesn't feel good. You know, I, I call it like this, it's like inside of you, you got a, what I call the family feud strike, you know, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Something just don't feel right about this. Next verse, verse 7. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit did not permit them. I think they got another one of those buzzes on the inside. Next verse. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Next verse. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So here's the thing. You, you see several factors here. First of all, God, God could steer a moving ship. Rather than people that are just, I'm going to go ahead and just sit here and wait on the Lord. See, they weren't waiting for the Lord to say, go somewhere, because the Lord already did. 
It's called the Great Commission. <laughs> Go into all the world and preach the gospel. So they weren't waiting for the word go. They already had the word go. But as they were going, they found out a few places that they should not go. Isn't that interesting? You know, and a lot of times in, in our mindset, we're, we're waiting for the go. And really what, what the Lord is saying to us is that you can just go ahead and go. You just need to pay attention to me on where you shouldn't go. I'll lead you in the way that you should go. That means you're still in the process of doing some going. As opposed to just sitting. I'm sitting waiting on the Lord. Or like the old saints, I've been in the way for 50 years. To which someone said, yes, and please get out of the way. Thank you. <laughs> All right now, we're having fun. But, but, but uh, even the idea of Bithynia, they, they wanted to go to Bithynia and the Holy Ghost said no. Now, what's up with that? And, and I was reading my Bible one day, and I happened to notice who the epistle of Peter was written to. First Peter was written to the strangers that are scattered throughout Cappadocia, here, there, and one of those places is Bithynia. And I thought, whoa, the gospel did get there. It's not that the Lord didn't want people in Bithynia to hear the gospel, because he sure did. But the thing is, for these guys, it wasn't their assignment. Someone say, do your own job. Hallelujah. But you see, this here, I, I encourage you, check this out. Even, even look at it in a few different translations. This is such a beautiful illustration of real life being led by the Spirit. Check this out, 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, do not quench the Spirit, verse 19 says. Verse 20. Do not despise prophecies. Verse 21. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. You know, I was looking at that verse, verse 19 today, that said, do not quench the spirit. And I got to tell you, I heard something inside of me. Oh. And you know what? I've not checked this out in the Greek. I've not gone to any other translations. I... I but I, I just had a quickening inside of me when I saw do not quench the spirit. And I heard this inside of me. Do not override the spirit. Oh, got my attention, I'll tell you. Just this afternoon. Do not override the spirit. I'd never heard that before, never thought that before. But it got my attention. Let me tell you this. How many times have we overridden the spirit when that something keeps on popping up and keeps on popping up and keeps on popping up and we keep on squashing it down and squashing it down and squashing it down and it keeps on popping up and it keeps on popping up and it keeps on popping up and we've kept squashing it down and squashing it down and squashing it down. That's called quenching the spirit. What I learned today, another way to say that, is overriding the spirit. It's my ideas that need to get overridden, not his direction. It's my thoughts and ideas that need to get overridden and overruled, 
not his. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know what? We're going to skip over Luke 4 and go straight over to Proverbs 18. And I want to talk to you about the number three way that you can make wise decisions. This is real deep and spiritual, so get ready. Common sense. There's some other things you don't need to pray about. He who answers the matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. So that means that you're coming up with your conclusion when you don't have all the facts, that there is a lack of common sense. And let me say this, let not common sense be uncommon in the house. It should be common and not uncommon. Let me read this to you. This is Proverbs 8, 5 out of God's Word translation. You gullible people, learn how to be sensible. You fools, get a heart that has understanding. Wow. That's a strong word. But the first thing we need to do, and, and, and using some good common sense, is you don't come up with the conclusion until you hear the whole matter. We just read that in Proverbs 18, 13. Verse 17 of the same chapter says that the first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. That's like somebody getting up and, you know, spouting off their side. And it's like, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. They are so absolutely 100% right. And then you get their neighbor up there to cross-examine them, and they're like, ha 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 They don't know what to say after that. And the person that looks so confident and sure don't look so confident and sure anymore because you see what you need to do when you have common sense is you examine every side of something. And uh, you don't make emotional decisions. Oh, Lord. See, emotional decisions are one-sided. Emotional decisions are, are, are not well-rounded. You've not done the, the 360 with those. Those are one-sided decisions. You don't make emotional decisions. I, I found a quote the other day that, that uh, really stuck to my ribs. It says this, emotions must always follow and never lead. Emotions must, must always follow and never lead. Nothing wrong with emotions, but they can't be in the driver's seat. They can be in the back seat, but not in the driver's seat. And uh, somebody once said about emotions, it's kind of like a, a meat cleaver. It does wonders when it's in the hand of somebody who's cooking some wonderful steak in the kitchen, but you don't want it in the hands of a madman. Hey, now. Emotions are a good thing. God's given us emotions. But things must be in their proper place. You don't put in the front seat what belongs in the back seat, all right? You know, another thing the Bible uh, lets us know about regarding common sense is just not to be in a hurry. Not to be in a hurry when it comes to decision making. The Bible actually says that the person who is hastening with his feet, who is in a hurry to do something, he's actually sinning. That's Proverbs 19, too. Say, I've been in a hurry for a long time. I didn't know I was sinning. 
Proverbs 21.5 says this, that the plans of the diligent lead to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. Wow. Check this out. This is Isaiah 28. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. You know what? In the spirit of wanting to walk by faith and not by sight, let me ask you a question. Uh, if we're really going to go ahead and walk in faith, that means we're not going to be hasty. And in the process of not being hasty, that means we're taking our time with something. That means we're considering, we're, we're doing what, what I said before, we're doing the 360 around that thing. We're not being one-sided about it. We're getting every angle and every view about it. Oh, Lord. You know, another aspect of common sense, you got to learn from your past decisions. Look what Peter said. This is strong stuff. Second Peter chapter 2. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow or a pig having washed to or wallowing in the mire. See, we need to learn from past experiences. That's what, one of the benefits of common sense. Once the pig gets cleaned up, don't go back in the mud again. I mean, Lord knows Jesus said, once a, an evil spirit has gone out of a person, if they don't get filled up with the good stuff, Guess who's coming back again? And he's got some mean friends with him. And moving back in and moving back in with his seven mean friends. And, and, and uh, the, the, the case of that man is worse than what he was before. See, we need to learn from our past decisions. And uh, once you get cleaned up, don't go rolling in the mud again. Come on now. Don't be naive. Oh, Lord. Proverbs 14. The simple believes every word. Hey. But Pastor Ray, I found it on the internet. Yeah. Lord, help us. The simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. You can't believe every word. You can't believe everything you hear and everything you read. You can't believe everything you see on television. Lord, have mercy. So you see common sense and you say, well, you know what? That, that don't seem to be real spiritual. But let me tell you, that came from God. Do you think you have something and the capability of doing something that didn't come from God? Every capability that we have has come from God. The capability that we have in our spirit, in our mind, and in our body, it's all come from him. Because he made us spirit, soul, and body. He made every part of us. So therefore, the idea of being able to exercise something that he's given us, the, 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 the fact that even though I'm a spirit and that my, my first and foremost emphasis is on the strengthening of my spirit and the developing of my spirit, Lord knows I ain't throwing out my mind. I need it. I need it. As it's been said by Pastor John and many other pastors, when talking about the renewing of the mind, that's what the Bible talks about, the renewing and not the removing of your mind. Ain't nothing wrong with using it. Use what the Lord gave you. 
not at the expense of the word, not at the expense of the spirit, but in cooperation with. And finally, as we close tonight, godly counselors, when it comes to making wise decisions, have some godly counselors in your corner. Keep the right company. Look at this. This is Proverbs 13, 20. I love it. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with my wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. You need to keep the right company, and whatever you do, do not isolate yourself. The scripture says in Proverbs eleven fourteen that where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Talking about not isolating yourself, Proverbs 18, 1, check this out. It says, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Lord, help us. So think about this. Radios that are tuned in to the same station get the same signal. So here's one thing when it comes to hearing from God and making wise choices. If you're the only person in the world and the only person in the church and the only person that you know in the body of Christ that thinks that your idea is a good idea, you may want to hold on and pause that for a little while. Because, see, if I got my radio tuned in and uh, you got your radio tuned in and someone else got their radio tuned in and we're all tuned into the same station, we're going to get the same signal. You know, I know what, one of the blessings when Angela and I got married and uh, uh, we, we had a, a knowing of, of, of the the, 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 the approval of God to go forward with that decision. But one thing that helped was the fact that we had so many people that it rang a bell with them too. It rang a bell, the very idea of it. They said, that just jumps inside of me. It's, it's right. They know it's right. There's safety in the multitude of counselors. So you see, if, if you think it's God and you don't know anybody else that thinks it's God, it's time to slow down and press the pause button. Let me give you one more verse as we wrap this up. Proverbs 19.20. Listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. You don't have to go this alone. As a matter of fact, the Bible warns you not to go this alone. But to listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. And you know what? I want to be wise in my latter days. I'm not at halftime yet, but I'm getting closer to halftime. You know, halftime of life. And for me, halftime is 60. Glory to God. I ain't checking out early. I won't be bugging y'all for a long time. But let, let, let me just leave you with this little funny statement. But I, it's, it's more than a funny statement. I pray it leaves an impression on you. Take the time to learn some old school wisdom. Otherwise, 
you'll be old and still going to school. Take the time to learn some old school wisdom. Otherwise, you will find yourself old and still going to school. At the time you, be a, you should be a graduate, you're going to still be a student. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul said? At the time you should be teachers, you still have a need to be taught. Let it not be said about us. Come on, praise the Lord, somebody. Hallelujah.